You have spoken, and I don't know if we've listened very well, but we're trying here in the fast lane for whatever our supposed efforts are actually worth. Um, feedback has come in on a couple of different topics that we've been discussing, most notably the court storming that took place at Wake Forest and then John Shire being upset because Duke's Kyle Filipowski was injured. And I mean, I, I, I get the blowback, and I've heard this theory out there of, well, if you slow down the replay, anything can look severe. Based on the initial raw replay, and I'm not talking about the one seeing it on TV because when this happened, I was at John Paul Jones Arena, but seeing the court storming with the with the Kyle Filipowski part being highlighted, it looked like a fan went right at him. And it is different in basketball. They're not in pads and a helmet like they are in football, field storming. Um, so just different in that regard. It is big as these athletes are in a lot of cases and certainly as well built as they are they're in a much more vulnerable position in basketball I love the idea of storming a court but you've got to find a way to get this under control if you're going to keep this going Tommy's a little bit more forceful with this and he says I guess as a lifelong Duke fan I am biased in thinking that court storming or field storming is tacky since they only do it when they win a title at Duke, I've said for years a team and fans should only storm if they win a title or it's an unbeaten team or a team ranked number one. Nothing less than number one. It's just so classless on so many levels. And this past Saturday, as well as Caitlin Clark a few weeks ago, really drives my point home. And I'll pause right there on the Tommy part, and that is when you've got players getting hit and knocked down. That's one of the realities to this. And if you're going to allow court storming, and, and again, everyone puts those announcements out there or if you're not allowed to storm the field, the court or the field, and even if you put in a $100,000 fine, I mean, given the rate of tuition today, kids, especially if they've been drinking, may go, look, hell, I paid that much just to go to this school. Uh, y'all can take my money that I paid and pay the fine so I can at least get something fun out of this in addition to a diploma. But I, I'll add one more to it. Make it more more harsh in terms of your penalties if you make contact with the member of another team, a coach, a player, or a staffer. Because it's easy to single out staffers, coaches, and players for the visiting team because, Trey, I've been to enough basketball and football games in my time to know that if you're on the sideline in football or you're on a particular team's bench area in basketball, you're probably wearing that team's colors and apparel. It's a dead giveaway that you're a, let's just use this case, Duke staffer, Duke assistant coach, Duke trainer, Duke player, Duke whomever. You can figure it all. I mean, how all the former basketball coaches or all the coaches at basketball coaches at Duke anyway are former players, so we can spot all those folks pretty easily. But the point of the matter is it's fairly easy to spot those people. Make it a penalty where if you actually make contact with those people, you're subject to being charged with assault. And that may sound harsh, but... I go back to one of my basic theories in life. The point of the punishment is to deter you from committing the crime. And if the punishment is a little bit harsh and outlandish, but it deters people from committing the crime and you get to have your cake or fun and eat it too, this seems like a viable compromise that 
at least is one potential area that if you want to allow court storming, you've got to at least get more serious to protect the other team so that they're not victims of people that may be looking, hey, look at me, I'm going to run into such a player or coach so I can be on a social media video and make myself famous, even though it won't work out well in the long term. Make it not work well in the short term either. And a quick trip downtown behind bars and a quick, oh, I don't know, court fees, fines, penalties, and time in jail, that's a pretty natural deterrent. Yeah, uh, I would, uh, I would, uh, you know, that that's a good way to do it. Um, yeah, I just think better preparation. Like, Wake Forest should have understood. It seemed like they didn't get, I mean, you're, you're putting t-shirts on every seat in the building. Like, you couldn't have had, like, any sort of prep for this. Like, it's simple as just getting people out there quickly enough. And that is something that can be done to you know and all you need to do is just funnel them to the center of the court and then you're fine because the center like once they get to this that's where they're going they're going to the center so yeah i think um the wallet and you know mike golick jr um can i te- no i'm not gonna do that for you not uh, yet not yet I, I was gonna tease something i wasn't gonna say you know it outright but that i guess that's enough of a tease at this point yes but um he he proposed the idea that uh, like you offer free food instead of court storming and that was the best idea i heard because <laughs> i'm telling you what the loudest castle coliseum gets is when that dude misses the first oh man or woman misses that first free throw and the whole arena can win bacon so i'm telling you like you like if you buy pizzas for the student section is that what like 200 bucks if that or you get you know they you know i do a six thing you know a six pack of wings to insert your wing place here just do pizza outside of the arena i'm telling you that will work there are all sorts of ways around this, but it, back to Tommy's point, because he adds on this, I'm willing to bet with Shire and the Duke clout and the fact that Saturday's incident If this wasn't was Duke, I think this wouldn't be as big as it is. Oh, I, I agree with that 100%. And it's not just the fact that it's Duke, but the other aggrieved party in a court storming is the most popular player in college basketball right now. And Caitlin Clark. I get it. People hate hearing that, but it's true. She is the most popular player in college basketball, men's or women's, because all the best men's players don't stick around long enough to ever become popular basketball players if they even go to college basketball at all right Also, now. if you want to look at like the best player the last couple years has been, what, Zach Eady? So, and he doesn't play an exciting brand of basketball. And what is he most known for outside of winning player of the year is losing in the as a one seed last year and getting shut down. Like compared to Caitlin Clark, who had that big moment against South Carolina, um, it's just, you know, makes those kind of Steph Curry like plays. It it's, you know, it's just much more of an exciting brand as well. If you want to compare best player in women's basketball versus the best player in men's basketball on the college side. Very good point. Uh, pivoting away slightly from this and uh, to back to the Virginia Cavaliers as well, whom we've discussed recently in the fast lane. Carl has chimed in, and it's good feedback as well, and you're welcome to drop it. Fast lane, Ed Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. But Carl chimes in, neither Virginia nor Liberty will have success in March. You know it, and thousands of others know it as well. Liberty isn't deep enough and can't overcome poor shooting nights. UVA, while deeper athletically than Liberty, they have only one true score, and they need a three 
a three player, a wing player, who can score consistently. The who's need to be more physically imposing on the boards, and they just aren't. Um, I, there's not much to dispute on what Carl said. We've mentioned that before, that those are clear weaknesses right now for teams like Liberty and Virginia. I think Virginia gets into the NCAA tournament. Maybe they get the right matchup, and they could win a game or two when it comes to the tournament, but it's not dependent on Virginia's ability. It's dependent on whom they draw and how that matches up to Virginia. And it's the lazy narrative in some cases, but it's true with Virginia because there's not enough to overcome the wrong matchup against teams that are physical and have multiple scoring options who can create on their own the way the Virginia Cavaliers do. And for Liberty, I mean, we've said this countless times. There's no doubting the effort that the Flames play with. It's been clear they play with a lot of that. It's just the, similar to Virginia, the lack of players that can create their own offense when things break down. And, frankly, that same athleticism is missing or offensively, it's missing defensively and the ability to consistently lock down. In Virginia, they have not lacked on the defensive end, but it's obvious they look timid shooting the basketball and they don't look very confident. And for teams that have some limitations offensively and maybe the lack of an explosive scorer or two, that's one of the downsides to Virginia and to Liberty, which is they fight hard and they play hard, but they just don't look that confident offensively. And sometimes it may be because they know what we know, which is there's just not a lot there offensively. And yes, that does limit what you should reasonably expect out of them come March. Robbie, by the way, adds, and we pivot away from this to a football topic, and we may get into this a little bit more tomorrow in the fast lane with Ben Cates of NewsAdvance.com. But Robbie chimed in, Coach Smith, Doug Smith from Appomattox, is a fantastic man. If you look further, he's really turned some kids around that most likely would have been troublemakers into young pillars in the Appomattox community. It's hard to find one of his players that isn't a yes sir, no sir person. And given where they've come from, that's not something you might have initially expected. And Robbie, to my knowledge as well, played at Appomattox before Doug Smith, but as a former player, and in a lot of cases, a lot of you know, former high school players are still tied in to their particular programs in different communities in the area. But that knowledge does carry a level of clout because that's by and large been what many people have said about Doug Smith and the impact he's had at Appomattox, but that stretches a little bit further because he's gotten a lot of kids in their formative years, and it's a very disciplined approach. And in a lot of cases, it's in a time where that's not always very fun to think of discipline and structure. But when he implemented it, and people know he cares about players and knew that he did care about them, and it kept them going and going and going and focused on doing something more than just whatever trouble might come their way, it made them into men that could be much better as members of society. And that is something that's really cool to have seen. It's also cool to have gotten to your feedback today. We appreciate it. There's more of it that we still need to address. So please keep it coming. We'll try to get to it later in the week in the fast lane, but we're a little bit jammed up because tomorrow, Ben Cates plus Larry McReynolds both slated to join us. So we're loaded up with plenty of guests later this week in the fast lane, but keep your thoughts coming. Fast lane, Ned Lane, and Trey Lyle VT on social media platforms and Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are back tomorrow at 5 to 6.